have your Bibles open with me to Jonah. Uh, to Jonah, we've been in a sermon series now looking at not me. I'm thankful that the Bible, when it, the Holy Spirit is authoring the word, that it doesn't just blot out like places where things went wrong or bad. It puts them in there. You know, like what if the Bible was like full of only stories that were perfect or good, where everything had a happy ending? Sometimes it's not like that. And so what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is looking at people that said, hey, not me. The Lord called them to a task. The Lord called them to labor. And they're like, yeah, I don't think I can do this. I'm not sure if I'm ready for this or if I want it. So today we're going to be looking at Jonah. Now, uh, I would, I know, there's no question in my mind, in a room this size, people watching online, many of you, you are here today and you've been wronged. Not like a little bit wrong, like you've been wrong like for real. Somebody wronged you. Uh, they just, whatever it was, for whatever reason, they lied against you, they slandered you, they, a boss passed you up when you deserved it, or, or you've been wrong. Maybe some of you have been wrong by family. You know, sometimes family wrongs, they, they cut deeper, a little bit deeper. So maybe you've got a brother or sister or family member where you've been wronged by, or maybe some of you are here today and your struggle is that you feel like you have gotten a bad deck of cards in life and you look at uh, Instagram, you look at social media and you see other people's lives and you're like, God, why wasn't I born into that family, right? Why didn't I, I get that scenario? Why didn't I get that situation? Or why didn't I get that gift set? And, and your struggle is actually not with other people, Today, your struggle is with God. Why did you allow this to happen to my life? Why did you take this person away from me? Why do we have to experience death like we experience? Bitterness is something that we really don't talk a lot about. And I think the reason we don't talk a lot about bitterness is because we can all, in some form or fashion, relate to the sting that bitterness brings. We all maybe feel like, in some areas, we have a right to be bitter. I mean, come on. If you're a Kentucky fan yesterday, you know, you're struggling today. You're like, my word, uh, how did this happen? Listen, just talk to us Georgia fans. We can tell you what it's like to lose to a backup quarterback. Twice. Not that I'm bitter or anything. Bitterness is, if you're defining it, bitterness is an anger or a disappointment because you feel like you've been treated unfairly. It's resentment, or I love well, this person defined it. It's as a result, it's a lack of sweetness towards somebody, a lack of kindness towards somebody, or even toward God. The affection or love is, is removed and gone, and what's filled its place is this bitterness. Now, we're talking about Jonah today, but there's a lot of examples in the Bible of bitterness. I mean, you can go all the way back to the beginning and look at Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, first two sons. Uh, Adam and Eve had two sons, Cain, Abel. They bring offerings to God. God receives Abel's offering, rejects Cain's. Cain gets mad. He's like, are you kidding me? Uh, I had a better offering or whatever he felt like he had. He gets mad. He gets, as a result, his anger turns into bitterness. He kills his brother. He murders him. God comes looking for him like he didn't know where he was. And, and Cain now experiences cursed because he was so bitter and angry that God received his brothers and, and not his. I know there's no way that there's any brothers or sisters in this room that bear any bitterness from family rivalries or anything that's gone wrong. There's a lot of examples of other people in the Bible, not just Cain. What about Job? Job, he was so afflicted and he was hurting so bad that he literally cries out to God and says, in the bitterness of my soul, 
Why would you let this happen? Why would you do this to me? And he's questioning God and his suffering. Romans chapter 12, verse 18 tells us that if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, we all know that there are some people that we're just, you're not gonna be able to live at peace with. Everyone hear what I'm about to say. You cannot control how people treat you. Let me say it a little, let me say it again, because this is important, especially for students. I say it to students because it's really for adults, but adults, students, listen. You cannot control how somebody treats you, but you absolutely can control how you treat somebody's. It is our responsibility to control how we act and react to life's pains and hurts. So he says, if at all possible, as far as it depends on you, as much as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. Now, who's everyone? Who's everybody? The person that you feel like you have a right to be bitter at, the person who did wrong you, that, that everyone is your enemy. The person that you've made your enemy that they might not even know that they're your enemy, but they're your enemy in your head. And if they sat in your pew today, you made an excuse to head back over to this section over here because you're not bitter, you know, it's just whatever. Well, what, maybe it's not that, but listen, think about some of the people that you have made like traditional type enemies in your head. He says, everybody, what if it is your real enemy? Enemies of our country. He says, as much as it is, it's everyone as you can depend on you. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Matthew chapter seven gives us a, a really good insight on, on ways that we deal with this or we process going through this. He says in Matthew chapter seven, verses three through five, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? I mean, or how could you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will clearly, you'll see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. And this gives us a great insight into what's happening in Jonah. In Jonah chapter one, he has grown bitter and angry at a people called the Ninevites. Now, let me just read Jonah chapter one. And so we're gonna start in Jonah chapter one. I'm gonna read a few verses, then we'll hop to Jonah chapter four. It's, it should be the next page on your Bible. But here we go, Jonah chapter one. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. He says, get up, get up, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come up before me. So he's, he's called by God to go. Go to the Ninevites. The Ninevites were above them. Go up to them. Get up and go to them. Preach to the Ninevites. Their evil has come to me. Now let me make it crystal clear here. The Ninevites were a wicked, evil people. If you feel like you have a reason to be bitter in your life, you need to understand the context of what's happening. The Ninevites were evil. They would go in and they would take a city and they would take their women and would take advantage of them. They would take the men and they would murder them and put sticks on the road that led into the great city of Nineveh and they would cut their heads off and put them on the top of the pikes. So when you came into the city, you saw, we just took your men. So before you think about coming and fighting us, they would take the men and bury them up to their shoulders and leave just their head above the sand and torture them. I could go on and on and on about the wicked, evil practices of the Ninevites. I, their, their main competition of people they wanted to go against was the Israelites. They, did, they opposed the people of God. So they had been attacking and attacking and attacking and attacking for a long period of time, and the Ninevites were strong and powerful. And now God is calling Jonah to go to them, to preach and to tell them 
Specifically, uh, their sins had come against them. Matter of fact, look in verse, what happens? Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish. From the Lord's presence, he went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. Now, this is twice he's telling you where he's going. He paid them a fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Listen, he's given us this picture. I want you to get up, go to Nineveh, which would be above him. And Jonah's like, yeah, so about that. Uh, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm not going to do that task. I'm going to head on to the opposite direction, and I'm going to go down to Joppa, so I can go down to Tarshish, and then in a little while, he's gonna go out in a boat into the sea on the way, and then he's gonna get thrown out into the sea where he's gonna go down in the water. He's gonna get swallowed by fish and go down into its belly. And the imagery here that he wants us to see is that when we think we're gonna do our own thing and disobey God, you just keep going further down and further down and further down till you get deeper than you ever thought you would be. And this is all rooted in his bitterness and anger toward the Ninevites. He could not stand them. Ultimately, you're gonna see in chapter four, he's like, I just would rather them die than for them to repent and experience the grace and the mercy and the goodness of God. And that gets us to our first point today. Bitterness flows from a heart of idolatry. See, bitterness flows from a heart of idolatry. Jonah is struggling because in this picture, Jonah is an idolater. He's an idolater. You say, well, hang on. He was, uh, he was in Israel. He's like from God's people. Yeah, but just because you're sitting in here does not mean you're a, a, a Christ follower. It just means you're amongst the people who are a Christ follower. Jonah's being called to follow God, to preach the, the, a gospel, a good news that they would be saved, that they would turn to the Lord. And he's like, I don't want that. And here's why. Because Jonah began to find his identity in something else other than God. This is idolatry. Idolatry is when you begin to find identity and joy in something else other than God. When something else defines you that's not God, it becomes idolatry. For Jonah, he was an Israelite, and he was angry as an Israelite that the Ninevites were gonna get God's grace and forgiveness and peace. He wanted them to get God's wrath. So he cared more about the prosperity of Israel than he did about following and obeying God. Think about it. If you would say, look, when something else is defining me, Israel defined him instead of being a follower of Yahweh. So he was defined by that people group instead of being defined by God and obeying God and doing what God would have. This is a huge question for us. And let me just stop here and draw the application like for us today. Do you care more that America prospers than the kingdom of God? Think about it for just a second. As an American, I love America. I love our country. Whoop, whoop. It's crazy how much we love America during like the World Cup and soccer. I don't know why, it's like USA everywhere. But we love America, we love our country. But if we are not careful, our identity can be, I'm an American instead of I'm a Christ follower. And if we're not careful, our identity then can be idolatry and we can pray, God, would you bless America more than God? Would you use me to bring about the expansion of your kingdom to the nations and to the ends of the earth? This is what's happened here for Jonah. He cared more about Israel being blessed and the Ninevites being punished than he did about following God and the name of God going forth. Therefore, if you say something like this, I have worth because I am and fill in the blank. Like, I have worth because I'm good at whatever. Then there might be some idolatry happening. Let me give you an example for Jonah. He's like, listen, I'm good 
because I'm an Israelite. And the Ninevites are bad because look at all their actions. They don't deserve your grace, we do. So give us justice and wreck them. This is kind of how a lot of us felt the day of 9-11 and the weeks and the months after 9-11. If I'm 100% honest as a young man, a junior in high school, as I sat in my classroom, uh, Miss Jarden uh, was in her classroom and we watched what's happening. I couldn't fully comprehend or understand what was happening. But here's what I can tell you did happen the days and the weeks following. A hatred began to build up in my heart. Because in my young mind, not understanding what was happening, my thought was, if someone of the Muslim faith would do this, then all Muslims should pay. And this was something building up in my mind, in my heart, there's an anger and there's a hatred, and to me, it was justified. A bitterness grew. And then God began to show me, Jacob, I have showed you my grace. I have showed you my patience. Why do they not deserve the gospel and the goodness of God just like you deserve it? If we are not careful, we can find our identity in other things other than as Christ followers and in God. And we can think that we have worth because we value ourselves and look at ourselves as better than other people. So Jonah's like, nope, I'm better than them. I'm not gonna follow you. They deserve your wrath. I'm gonna go my own way. Idolatry began to rule in his heart and because idolatry ruled in his heart, it gave place for bitterness. You see, when you desire something more than God, it's idolatry. And if you notice in the text, it says that he was going down away from the presence of God. He was saying, I would rather leave the presence of God than the Ninevites have an opportunity to repent. I would just rather not have it. Look, some of you, you're here today and you are saying something similar to that. God, I would rather miss out on all the goodness that you have for me than to forgive her. I would just, I would rather not enjoy all the goodness of God and fellowship and satisfaction that's in you by putting my yes on the table and obeying you I would rather miss some of that than to get rid of this bitterness. You don't understand what this person has done to me. You don't know what this troll has said about me. You don't know what this person has done. You don't know how they've shamed me. You don't know what jokes or stories they've told. They've cut me so deep. There's just no way. This is Jonah. Man, if we're honest, it's kind of scary how much we relate with Jonah, how much we can relate. Some of you here, you're carrying this heavy weight and this heavy burden because for you, it's a struggle to say yes to God when it comes to to forgiveness and, and loving even our enemy. When you desire something more than God, it becomes idolatry. And he would rather them experience the wrath of God than for him to be in the presence of God. Anything that we desire more than God, it becomes idolatry. If you would rather somebody get paid back for their wrongdoing more then you desire the presence of God in your own life, that person has become an idolatry. That thing has become an idol in your life. For Jonah, his idol was the prosperity of Israel. He cared more about their prosperity than he did about following God. Now, while worshiping wrongly, bitterness can have reign. When you begin to worship the wrong thing, it opens up your heart for bitterness to take control of your life. Now, this this passion of bitterness and anger becomes a controlling factor for him. Let me show you how this works. First of all, bitterness, it'll consume your mind. This is how bitterness rolls. You begin to preach your hurt to yourself. You begin to do it over and over in your mind. You begin to say something like this. This person hurt me. I was doing a funeral uh, for a, a lady. She was in her 80s. 
And like most of you know, I meet with the family and I'm meeting with the family and we're having conversations and tell me about her, tell me about y'all's relationships. And, and her sister was there. And so I, I looked at her sister and said, so tell me, tell me about y'all's relationship. And she said, well, we didn't have one. My like, uh-oh, this just went downhill real fast. So I'm like, all right, what do I do? How do I say? I'm like, well, you know, what happened? What went down, where, you know, that you guys didn't have a relationship? And this is what she said. When I was 70-something years ago, when I was 10 years old, hear me, she said, I needed a dollar. And I asked my sister, hey, I need a dollar. And her sister said, no, you cannot have my dollar. And she said, that day, my sister did not help me, she did not support me, she was not there for me, and from that day on, we did not have a relationship. Now, if you know me, you know, I can't hide a thing on my face. I don't play poker, I, I lose, because you're gonna know if I have a good hand. I'm like, <laughs> I can't help it, I don't hide a thing. The lady was telling me this story and I just looked at her like, where's the rest of the story? She said, every single day after that, I remembered that my sister did not love me, she did not care for me, because she did not give me a dollar. Now here's my first thought, come with me. Those of you 70 something years ago, a dollar was a lot. Well, I mean, what could you get with a dollar 70 something years ago? Yeah, your car was like 100 of those. Back in the day, a dollar could get a whole lot. Today, not so much. But back then, man, she was asking for like everything they had. I mean, she had a, she needed a dollar. What'd you need a dollar for when you were 10, by the way? Anyway, so all this is processed in my head. And then I'm thinking, you carried for 70 years anger and bitterness. And here's why. Because as an 11-year-old, she began to tell herself every day, your sister, she doesn't love you. She doesn't care for you. She's not there for you. If she loved you or cared for you, she would have given you that dollar. And every day, she was in her mind preaching her hurt to herself, and it went from 11 to 12 to 13 to 20 to getting married, to having kids, to having grandkids. And that $1 divide preached to herself over a time went from a molehill to a mountain. And this is what we do. We preach hurt and pain and suffering to ourselves over and over and over till the bitterness takes reign and it moves then not only from our mind, but then it moves to our heart. But before we get there, let me say this as we're preaching and telling ourselves how someone or something has wronged us, and you're saying it over and over. If we're not careful, we will then build ourselves up as God by defining somebody by their mistake. We'll define them. Let me give you an example of this. When I moved back from Raleigh-Durham, I grew up in Warner Robins um, from sixth grade to a graduating senior. I moved away. I was in Raleigh-Durham for 10 years and moved back. I didn't really know like how this was gonna go. I mean, I, I'd been gone for a long time. I'd forgotten, you know, a lot of things and people and who's in Warner Robins and any friends still here. And, and so every now and then I would see people from high school and a lot of the high school people that would see me, they would like duck and cover and <laughs> run to another lane. Uh, but I would see them and, and this process kind of would begin to go in my mind of remembering who they are from who they used to be. But 15 years has gone by since the time that I graduated, a lot of time, hey, how much change happens the 15 years after you graduate? But let me tell you, if you're not careful, what'll happen? You will define people by their greatest mistake that you know. 
So you'll see somebody and you'll be like, oh man, let me tell you, boy, in high school, that guy stole $10 from somebody's locker. He's a thief. He shows up, you're like, you just grab your wallet. It's been 20 years. And you're talking to him, like, mm-hmm. yeah, bro, you ain't getting my $10 you stole out of that jugger's locker. I remember that. And you're a thief. Some of you, you remember someone who lied. You remember that guy who had too many relationships in high school and now he's married with children. But in your mind, he comes around, you're like, boy, you better watch your wives because this guy's here from high school. And you begin to, in your mind, here some of you, you've gone to your 30-year graduation and you are still defining people by what you think you know about them. And what happens is we begin to, in our mind, we have preached wrongdoing and offense in our mind so much that now we've taken the place of God and we have defined them by their failure. And we have put that on them in our mind like we're God. Who do we think we are to do that to somebody else? But we do because we preach the offense to ourselves. So what happens is we begin to lose in our mind and then it moves from our mind to our heart. And the Bible, heart represents our passions and our feelings and our emotions. So then it moves from our mind to our heart and our feelings. That's why some of you right now, you're struggling because you're getting all mad all over again in church right now. I see you. As you're going through this bitterness thing, you're thinking about what made you mad in the first place. And now you're getting all mad right now. You're like getting ready to text somebody. Sitting here in church, pastor's preaching on you. Hope you listen to this sermon, boy. Because you're getting mad again because what happens, it moves from your mind to your heart. You now get angry. You now get, this rage begins to build up. Some of you have the bad goosebumps right now because you've preached the hurt so much that it's causing real pain and anguish, this anger and this rage. So when you see them, you're like growling at them and they're like, man, I ain't seen you in 18 years. Why are you growling at me? What are you angry about? Why are you mad? It's because you have preached an offense to yourself that when you show up at the family reunion, you are madder than you were a year ago. Because you never got things right from what they did a year ago at the family reunion. So that bitterness has now grown in your heart to anger and rage, and and, and now it's affected your feelings. So now when you get around them, your passion and your feelings are, these jokers need to get right. I can't even sit by them. I can't be around them. I tell you what, they better, you better pray the Holy Ghost, it just is all over me, because if not, Holy Spirit's gonna show up in this place in the name of Jesus, I'm gonna lay hands on somebody, right? And you're, and you're thinking it's okay because it's justified. But that bitter and that anger and that rage is taken over. And now it moves from your heart, from your mind to your heart, and now it moves to your soul. Your soul is, is a core part of who you are. It begins to grow to now you're in a place like Jonah. And we don't talk about things like this because, you know, we're like church people. So church people don't say things like this. But Jonah, later in chapter four, is just gonna say, you know what, I, I just want him to die. No, we would never say that. You've never been wronged by somebody so bad that in your mind you're just like, you know what, they could just be gone. They do die, or they experience something, and you're like, you know what, well, they got what they deserve. That's right, boy. I ask, exactly, I'm glad that happened to them, because they they, you reap what you sow, boy, mm-hmm. And God's looking at you saying, oh, really? You better hope not. Because what's happened is this bitterness has now consumed our soul. And we begin to say things where, you know what? Oh man, they die, they die. That's on them. Or they get what they deserve. You know what? I should have, that should have been my circumstances. And now they're, I'm glad they didn't get that raise or they didn't get that job. You're celebrating it because now it's consumed you and it's become a, a core part of who you are. And so now bitterness has began to reign all because you've missed worshiping God rightly 
idolatry has come into your life and you've given wrong worth. And so we have to be careful in it. So what do we do then? How do we not become a Jonah? I don't wanna be like this. I know that there are some of you here right now that you're saying, hey, he's talking about me. You're reliving experiences or things where you're going, you know what, uh-oh, I'm bitter, I'm angry. What do I do? Some of you, you've joined a gym membership because you think you can run it, you can run away from it. Let me just tell you, Jonah is a story. You can't outrun your pain. You can't work it out. You can't exercise it out. You can't get a new job to fix it. I mean, only God can fill our heart. And this gets us to the second point. And what I want us to see today is that it's Jesus that delivers us from bitterness. Literally, Jesus. When we begin to see who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us, it begins to, to make an impact on our heart and our soul and our mind and how we think about being wronged and, and what we experienced in life. Go to chapter four. Jonah chapter four. I'm gonna start in verse one of chapter four, and I want you to see how the stories progress. Jonah has now gone. He's preached a, a, a gospel, a good news, that if they'll repent, God will save them. It's the largest revival, recorded revival in the Bible right here. There's, there's easily probably a million people in this city, one of the largest cities in the world at this time. And the entire city has just turned from their sin and turned to God. It should have been his answer to prayer. Don't you think? I mean, these Ninevites keep like torturing us. I mean, man, what if, what if that whole place got saved? Let me just ask you, what would happen if we left church today and we found out a million people got saved? Don't play, what would we do? Yeah, yes. That's convincing, boy. I have some really excited people right here. I'm going crazy. I'm gonna run laps around campus. I'm taking off down quarter. You're like, why is our pastor running down the road? A million people just got saved. Oh, it would be crazy. Now, now listen, what if we found out Iran got saved? No, listen to me. Like all of Iran gave their life to Jesus. What would we do if we found out, like we got on, hey, everyone, something crazy has happened. North Korea gave their life to Jesus. <laughs> what would we do? We would go crazy, it would be the headlines for half of the news anchors, but maybe some others, but <laughs> we'd go crazy. Oh my word, this is amazing. The most, uh, a place that is evil has had rain is now turned from it, we would go wild. It would be an unbelievable celebration. Here's Jonah's reaction. Jonah chapter four, verse one. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He's now, his bitterness has moved into his soul and he is furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asks, is it right for you to be angry? You see, you can know that bitterness has taken reign in your heart when the answer for you is not that it would produce life change and forgiveness, when you just want them to live in punishment. See, bitterness says, I want them to live in being punished. Let them be punished all the time. Not God change their heart and let them live in freedom. So the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is, that delivers us from, from bitterness. Let me show you how today the good news of the gospel can free you from bitterness. Here we go. First of all, it's when you see who God is. When you begin to see the character of God, 
and who God is toward us, it begins to root out bitterness in our soul. Let me show you. Look what in the midst of his complaining Jonah says about God. First thing he does is he cries out to God. God is available. Think about this. Today, if you are bitter and angry and you're frustrated, even at God, he's there to listen to you. What happens when we get bitter from some, to somebody? We remove ourselves. We say, no, I'm mad at you. I'm never talking to you again. We are done. And we separate ourselves. But what does God do? Who has every right to be angry and let his anger come toward us? It says that their sin came up to him. He knew their injustice. Yet God, and he sees Jonah in his evil, wicked heart who wanted them to die. And he says, let's talk. Hey, today God's looking at you and he's saying, let's talk. I know you hate that person. I know you hate your neighbor. I know you hate your brother and your sister. I know you, you have this hatred toward your family, your parents, or people who've done you wrong. I know that you've had to block them on Facebook because if you see them, you want to throat punch them. I know all of that. Now let's talk. I'm here. I'm available to you. God hasn't gone anywhere. We see that God's available. Second, we see God's gracious. What does he tell him? He says, I knew this was going to happen. I knew while I was in my city, this is why I didn't want to come, because you're God full of grace. You're God full of grace. Think about it. He does for sinners what they don't deserve. He gives people what they don't deserve, and we know this in our own life. So if we can receive God's grace, then how can we not give it? This is why Jonah didn't want to show up, because he knew that the grace of God would dominate their sin, and it did, and it made him angry. Man, if God and his grace can cover our sinfulness, and he's desiring to cover Jonah's sinfulness. Man, then how can we not also say, I want to give grace? But he also sees that God's merciful. God is loving and kind to those that's made in his image. There is no person on this planet that God does not want and desire to show his mercy and his grace to. There is no person that you hate so much that God says, I don't want to love and forgive and pour my grace out to them. There's no people, there's no country today. When I think about the evilness that's in this world, I, it is heartbreaking. When I think about the sex slave trade that's going on in today's culture, my anger comes up in me and I want to go Chuck Norris on a group of people. And God is saying, yes, I understand your desire for justice and you, out of love, you wanna bring justice to them, but I want them to see that I made them in my image and I, I wanna save them and I wanna redeem them from their sin. Man, this is God's powerful grace. This is what God is offering to Jonah. God is gracious and he is merciful. Man, can I tell you, God, he says, you're long-suffering. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger. Think about how many times we deserve God's wrath. I mean, if we go back to the Matthew passage where we're pointing out a speck in somebody else's, uh, but look at the log in our own. How many times when you were in high school did you do something wrong? but you're gonna still be mad at them over something they did wrong? Let's, what, if, what if today, could you imagine if Jesus said, hey, look, here's what I'm gonna do while you're pointing out people's sin, I'm just gonna roll yours up on the uh, LED screens up there. No, nah, God, we're good, I'm gonna forgive. <laughs> I, I wanna pour out my grace because God has been slow. Think about, think about this for just a moment. In all that's going on in our country, how could we point to all these other countries and say, you deserve God's wrath? Can I tell you, our country deserves God's wrath. We deserve the wrath of God. Look at all the sin that we allow.
But we're going to point at other countries and say, you evil, wicked people. The truth is, we live in an evil, wicked nation, in an evil, wicked world. And the only answer to that is the long-suffering patience of God. We should not be praying, God, send your wrath. It should be, God, be patient. Let us continue to preach the gospel. Let us to continue to love our neighbor. Let us continue to be the church that these people might be saved, that the nations might be reached for the glory of God. He's long-suffering. Aren't you thankful today that God has been long-suffering with us? Then how can we not pray, God, help me to be patient with this person. Help me not to be patient with my family. Help me not to be patient and, and not allow bitterness and anger to take over my mind and take over my heart toward them because if so, I deserve the same thing. He tells us, God, you are a, you're a loving God. He says, you are abounding in faithful love. This is so good. God knew all the wickedness of Nineveh. And he said, God, I knew that you still loved them and I'm mad that you loved them. I didn't want you to love them. I wanted you to pour your wrath out, but God, you're abounding in love. Jonah should be preaching the gospel to himself because what he's saying is, God, you're still abounding in love for me. I, I ran from you. Then you brought a storm and threw me in the ocean. Then you allowed a large fish to swallow me up and you didn't kill me. A fish spit me up on the sand after three days. I should be saying, God, thank you for your abounding love, your long suffering, your patience, your grace toward me. Today, as we begin to look at the, the speck and other, God, I pray that you would teach us how much you love us. And if he loves me that way, and he loves the nations that way, then how can we not love? God is forgiving. Today, some of you, you, you think about what you have done wrong and your no is on the table. You're saying, God, not me. Don't send me. You don't wanna send me up in there to love on them. You don't wanna send me to love my neighbor because I'm still angry. I'm still bitter. And God is saying, hey, I forgive you. I forgive you of your bitterness. You can drop this. You don't have to hold this anymore. You can lay this at my feet. God is, he is patient. And now he says, the Lord, take my life from me for it is better for me to die. God is patient. Aren't you thankful that God didn't answer his prayer like right then? Now, let me just say this really quick too as you're reading this. Some commentators have read this and thought, oh, he's just having this like, crybaby moment where he's saying something he doesn't really mean. And I want everybody to hear what I'm about to tell you. People in the Bible struggled with depression and suicidal thoughts and tendencies just like people today do. Go read Lamentations. Go read the Psalms where people are crying out in the depth of their soul. Job was crying out from the depth of his heart. Is there a point for me to live? Some of you, you have been hurt. You are suffering. You are going through things that are so deep that you question, should I even live? Is there even a purpose for me being here? I just would rather, I'd rather die. And let me tell you, I'm thankful that the Lord is patient and doesn't answer your prayer. Man, God's not done with us yet. Amen? Thank the Lord he is not done with us yet. You don't know the rest of the story. You don't know when you turn the page what God has for you. And so we'll be patient. So we see this one, when we see who God is, it changes how we see other people. But secondly, when we see God's purpose for us, it changes what we're living for. See, Jesus died so that we could live. Jesus rose from the dead so we get to enjoy a relationship with him. We get to be brought near with God. We were filled with the very spirit of God so that we can serve the world together. I mean, because I'm filled with the spirit of God, I have God in my life helping me to now, I get to be useful for the kingdom of God. I have a purpose. 
When you see your purpose, it changes how you view what you're living for and about. So let me just ask you, is the bitterness that you're carrying helpful for the purpose of why God created you? If not, it's time to let it go. It's time to say, Jesus, you are greater than this. I'm gonna forgive. I'm gonna ask for forgiveness. I'm gonna make this thing right because you know what? I don't want 70-something years to go by and to me to miss all the goodness that God had intended for me and my family. I, all the hey, students, some of you right now, you're thinking in your mind, oh, when I get older, I can't wait to tell my parents what they did wrong. Here's what you're gonna find out. You're gonna see all the wrong you're gonna do as a parent and you're gonna go back to your parents and say, I'm sorry. I'm so, I had no clue what I was talking about. So don't let Satan or bad friends get in your head right now and to get you to start carrying a weight of bitterness against your family because Satan, all he's doing is trying to divide you from your family. But God divinely placed you in the family you were in to be an agent and a minister of the gospel. So love the family that you're in. And you don't let people, some of you today, what your answer to this is you need to get out of this place. You need to call your mom and dad and say, I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. I've let our mistakes or wrongdoings divide us. And you know what? I, I'm, man, you are forgiven and I love you. And they're gonna say, why in the world would you forgive me? Because Jesus forgave me. How in the world could I uh, hold a wrong against you? See, bitterness is this poison that we drink wanting other people to die, but it only affects us and it affects our heart. When we see God's purpose for us, it changes what we're living for. But lastly, can I tell you, I wanna preach this one all the time as a pastor, as a Christ follower. When we remember what really matters, it changes what bitterness we wanna hold on to. You see, in this passage, he's telling him later that there's 120,000 children in that city. 120,000 children are in this city. And you're mad because I didn't kill all of them. Think about this perspective for a moment. You are supposed to be a part of, of Israel who's a follower of God, and you're upset that I did not kill 120,000 children. Something's not right here. When we begin to follow God and we surrender ourselves under him, it changes our perspective on life. Church, listen to me today. There are literally billions with a B billions of people who have little or no access to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's what I want you to think about right now. While you're holding this grudge and anger and bitterness towards somebody, thousands upon thousands of people every day are dying and spending eternity in hell. So what's more important? Put things into perspective. Look at the bigger picture. What's really important, right behind this, God gives Jonah a plant to bring him shade. And then God takes that plant away. And Jonah gets so mad that God took his shade away that he says, God, I just wanna die again. Take me away. Like I just, and he's like, Jonah, are you missing this? This is how the book ends. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry that I took your plant, but I showed mercy to a million souls? Today, some of us are showing bitterness over the dollar. 
while millions of people are spending an eternity separated from God and you are losing an ability to be useful in the kingdom. God wants to use you and work through you, but you are holding on to this anger and this hatred in such a way that you're missing it and it's impacting millions of people. The point of all of this is that God loves the nations and the world and he sent his son to die for all people everywhere. So don't hold on to the bitterness that Jesus has already freed us from our own sin. You see, when we see God's heart, it should break us over the loss and change our perspective on the wrong that we are holding over people. Nobody's perfect. There's no perfect parents. There's no perfect grandparents. There's no perfect family. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect boss. And guess what? If you are in this place, you know there's one thing every one of us have in common. We're not perfect either. But the greatest justice that's ever been done is also the greatest injustice. The son of God who was perfect came and died to set the captive free. And he's the only perfect one ever. If anyone deserves to be bitter and angry over what, how he was done, it's Jesus. Yet he says, I freely gave myself up so that you could have life. It is the gospel that helps us to root out bitterness in our life. I wonder today how many of you have said, not me. Not me, God, because I'm angry. God, not me, I'm still bitter. I'm not over this yet. What if the only way to truly get over life's hurts and pains is to find yourself completely engrossed in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And as you experience his love, his grace, his mercy, his goodness, it gives you an ability to pour that out to other people. I pray that we would understand today that it's really not me. You see, this series has a double meaning. It's not just saying not me like God, I, I'm not going, I don't wanna answer your call. But it's also the understanding that the answer that God gives every person who says, not me, he says, you're right. It's not you, it's me. Today, the only way that we can live in grace and forgiveness and, and get rid of bitterness is to say, God, you know what, not me. I need your power and your strength and your help, but God, I wanna forgive. I don't wanna carry this weight, and I pray that today God would bring us great freedom in Jesus Christ. Why don't you guys stand with me as we prepare to respond. Lord, today I'm thankful for your grace. And Lord, today is a heavy subject because I know that there are many who are here and many who are watching online that, Lord, Satan wants us to be filled with anger and rage and not joy in your spirit. And, and so God, I pray that we would be a people that would say, Lord, not me. I need your strength and your power in my life, I wanna lay some things at your feet and I'm not gonna live in bitterness. I'm not gonna live angry. I'm not gonna live in hatred because you came to set me free. Lord, it was for freedom that you set me free. Therefore, I don't wanna be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Lord, you set me free. I wanna walk in joy that's found in Jesus Christ. So help me, God. Lord, I pray that you would lead us to be a people free from the burden and the weight of anger and bitterness. Lead us in this. We need your help. Guide us now to be a people who say, not me. Lord, it's all you. But yes, my yes is on the table. I'll follow. Lord, guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're gonna have a time of response. It surely is. We believe that the gospel calls us to respond to him. So we, we have a time where we sing together. And maybe you're here today and there's just some junk you wanna lay down at the, the feet of Jesus. Man, we have the altar open and you can come and, and just pray and, and by yourself and respond to what God is leading you to do. Or maybe you're here 
and you're saying, you know what, this is the church I wanna be a part of. I'm not gonna let the bitterness of bad experiences in other places keep me from being all that God wants me to be. I'm gonna, maybe it's the church God has you to be a part. We'd love for you to come and join. Our pastors are at DV down front and we'd love to help you in that. But maybe, maybe you're here today and what's really happening is the Lord speaking to your heart. God is saying, hey, I want you to join the church and I want you to pray and but that starts with having a personal relationship with me. If you're here today and you're ready to start that personal relationship with you, man, our pastors are down front. There's nothing, our people would love to celebrate with you today, amen, church? We'd love, there's no greater decision you could ever make than today to say no more. I will not carry the weight of my sin. I'm ready to give it to Jesus and receive his righteousness and the freedom that's found in him. Our altar's open, our pastors will be down. We're gonna sing together as the family of God. You respond how God is leading you. Altar's open, you guys come.